What up? I'm Lance Howard. And I'm Frank Patterson. And welcome to Pros and Con Conversation. Who you with? Who you with indeed. Welcome everyone. We have a great show, great lineup. And we're going to start it with an excellent topic that Frank brought to me that at first I didn't think was going to be much of a topic, but in doing some research, it is actually a really cool topic about video game acquisitions. So Frank is the subject matter expert here. So I am going to hand it over to him in a second, but I wanted to give you uh, just a timeline of events involving these acquisitions, all of them taking place in January of 22. So here in the last few weeks. So we'll start at January 10th when uh, Take-Two, which actually owns, Take-Two Interactive is the name of the company. They own Rockstar and 2K Sports. So all of those games, including GTA, uh, obviously all the 2K, Madden's, uh, WWE, all those games, they own all of that. They bought a company called Zynga Inc., which is an American social game developer. Basically, they their primary focus is mobile games. Uh, Farmville was the first game that they come out with. Uh, you probably seen it on Facebook. That was like their big launching off point. But they started to focus more on mobile games. So they play, they do like poker, that kind of stuff. Anyway, they bought them in, they bought, they bought uh, Zynga Inc. for, it was a little over $12 billion. And at the time- That's billion with a B. That is billion with a B. And at the time, that was the largest video game acquisition uh, in history. Eight days later, Microsoft bought Activision for $68.7 billion. Uh, it is not only the largest acquisition that, it's not only the largest video game acquisition in its history, uh, but it is the largest acquisition that Microsoft has ever done. Uh, the previous one they did was LinkedIn, which was $26.2 billion. So almost mm -hmm. three times the amount uh, they paid, in, like Frank said, in cash just to get uh, Activision Blizzard, which I'm excited for Frank to talk a little bit more about uh, so that we can talk about what that kind of means. And then lastly, uh, that was January 18th. And then lastly, two almost two weeks later on January 31st, Sony announced the acquisition of, is it Bungie or Bungie? I'm guessing Bungie. Bungie. Okay, great. Uh, it, they bought, they acquired Bungie, uh, which is a video game developer. They initially, the, the thing that got them off the, you know, their big claim to fame was developing uh, Halo. I was about to say Hulu. Uh, <laughs> they developed Halo. <laughs> uh, and then they also developed Destiny, which they still develop Destiny. Uh, they mm -hmm. no longer develop uh, uh, Halo. They stopped that in 2010. Uh, but uh, I think, Frank, you said they they created like the first two or three Halos or they were a part three. of mm -hmm. developing the first three Halos. Yeah, story, um, characters, video game, play, all that. Yeah, so so in three, and so, in, and so in literally the span of between January 10th and January 21st, so within a span of three weeks, we had the first, the second, and the seventh largest video game acquisitions in history. And we're going to talk a lot about it. But Frank, I just wanted to get like, first of all, your your key takeaways from uh, any and all of these uh, acquisitions. Well, all three are huge and not just because of the money involved. Um, a lot of these 
trades happen because of the rights themselves, not necessarily what they intake. In other words, if you want Spyro, you're not going to go and get, you know, you're not going to go and get Best Buy. You're not going to buy Best Buy. Instead, you're going to buy the company that sells it to Best Buy. Uh, Case in point, uh, Diablo, a really good multiplayer um, dungeon crawler. In other words, you get four friends together and you go fight bosses and uh, other bad guys to get treasure. Um, That game is produced by Activision Blizzard. And now that they've been purchased up, they are going to actually end up going to uh, be manufacturing these games for Sony, or sorry, for Xbox. And that's huge uh, because Blizzard owns the rights to Diablo, Overwatch, and World of Warcraft. Those are huge titles. World Same of Warcraft, with- I feel like by itself, is huge. Yeah. And that's not even counting what Xbox or Sony did with the purchase of Bungie because Bungie, mm-hmm. like you said, was that were the developer, the original developers of the Halo series, and now they're putting that creativity towards um, to uh, Destiny. Uh, De- Destiny, and that's important because Destiny is showing a new model of gameplay and game sustainability. Instead of releasing sequels, they are st- instead releasing a load of downloadable content and in-story content similar to what Fortnite does so the model now now isn't to purchase a new for them for you to purchase a new game because with GameStop you buy the game and then you sell it back now they want you to keep the game and the best way to do that is through current and on and an onslaught of current download games uh, game files uh, just looking up, uh, Activision, Call of Duty is under theirs. Uh, mm-hmm. Crash Bandicoot, which I did not know this, is uh, under theirs. Spiral, Frank Spiral. mentioned. Um, Candy Crush, which is uh, a big thing. Uh, mobile mobile gaming seems to be the future. A lot of these companies, Take-Two, uh, that bought Zynga, their primary focus was getting into the mobile, fa- or mobile stage in a way that Columbus. they aren't really now. Along those lines as well, um, uh, 2K uh, owns Rockstar. Rockstar, in turn, makes Grand Theft Auto. Now, Grand Theft Auto, of course, is a huge game. They actually just announced their starting production on Grand Theft Auto 6, which is huge, uh, considering Grand Theft Auto 5 has been running since 2017 online. Um, and there's been rumors and and circulation circulation that that um, 2k is gonna our rock star is gonna bring grand theft auto 5 to the mobile world and that's one of the big reasons i think they made their purchase uh just of zynga just simply to be on that mobile map and like you said i think these companies are now looking at nintendo which we'll get into later in their success with the switch um, the Switch is like the third best uh, system of selling, selling system of all time. Um, and with that idea, they're going to start looking at mobile gaming, whether it's on the phone or on some type of mobile device. Uh, Steam, uh, which is another video game, but they 
video game company, but they really sell to the PC market, has developed and released a portable gaming system similar to the Switch. So rival companies are going to start showing this type of technology sooner rather than later. So I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, Mobile is the future. I mean, Nintendo's been doing it. I mean, Nintendo's been, if you really stop and think about it, light years ahead from from the Game Boy. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, from the Game Boy coming out and, you know, continue that on with the Switch and doing so in a way. And now these phones are so powerful, they can do so much from a processing standpoint that you can come out with so many games that Mm -hmm. will will work. So it's clear that uh, mobile, and actually I hadn't really thought about that from the uh, Activision uh, Blizzard standpoint, uh, but yes, mobile is obviously a big reason why a lot of these companies are, are buying into to some of these, or why a lot of these companies like a Microsoft, like a Sony, like a Tech2 are acquiring these other companies, uh, especially in Zynga's case, an Activision case that has uh, that mobile uh, background. But I also, mm-hmm. one of the other main reasons, and I kind of wanted you to, to focus or to, to, to talk on this, Frank, is that a lot of these companies, and you actually kind of already started talking about it with uh, Destiny. And I'm guessing that Grand Theft Auto is going to start to take this direction too, but really that whole metaverse, this whole met- this, this whole metaverse thing. Uh, I frankly, honestly did not know much about, I mean, I've heard of the, the metaverse, I, you know, through that, uh, the, the Facebook metaverse commercial that's out mm-hmm. there. I mean, I've heard the word metaverse but I didn't quite understand what it is. Uh, I'll give you my basic understanding, Frank, and then uh, if you wouldn't mind explaining it more to me in earbuds, uh, what it is. I, I read that it's really more, it's kind of like virtual reality that is always going, even when you're not playing. So mm-hmm. like the Grand Theft Auto game, like the world is still, the world still exists even when you turn off the game, like things can still happen in the game. Mm-hmm. And when you aren't playing in a way that now with a lot of video games, like when the game is on, that's the only time the universe exists is when you're playing it. Uh, when you're not playing, it doesn't exist. Um, is that is, is that a correct understanding of what a metaverse is? Is that what yeah. it is? Yeah, that's exactly right. With before we just had games like world of warcraft and things along that nature now a lot of not of story is being told through online content through additional online content if you look at uh, something as simple as fortnite which is a third person shooter um that kids love to play and when you're an adult you're like okay well this is stupid and that's the dumbest game ever and it's a way to get me to spend money so my son jimmy can have the deadpool skin um which is a great money money marketing scheme by the way um a fantastic marketing scheme mm -hmm. but what what they've done successfully is develop a storyline that's actually being told in the game uh to the point now where players are playing just to see this story unfold Uh, i'm one of them i'm not gonna lie um and it's it's a really interesting story. Um, the same with Destiny. Destiny's world is currently evolving. Uh, but the best example I can think of is Grand Theft Auto uh, Five. Originally, this was just a way to make 
an online game. That's that's it. But now there's such a culture around this game that things have been developed within the game that the developers weren't anticipating. Um, you can customize vehicles in Grand Theft Auto. Now, granted, these aren't real ve vehicles, but people are spending real money on these vehicles because they're created uniquely and going to car shows to look at these cards IRL in real life. And a lot of people think these are just amazing purchases. People are buying hotels and housing and things of that nature. So when you go into the video game world, people can look at this stuff and they can purchase it from themselves. They can save stuff for you, um, do an online trade. That way the game just keeps going. Even when you're not playing, the world is still evolving. I think that that is fascinating and actually kind of scary when you think about it mm -hmm. like that this that this you know artificial intelligence in essence is continuing on whether you are a part of the game or you aren't the things are happening uh, i was reading that they you know this could start to bleed in and if it hasn't already start to bleed into finances mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and other form you know other digital forms and it just it honestly it makes me think of ready player one that's exactly mm -hmm. what it makes me think mm -hmm. of, uh, how they have this universe. Because uh, they, it, when I kept reading about the multiverse, they kept talking about a digital world. But mm -hmm. it, in essence, would be like a digital universe because it mm -hmm. sounds like there could be multiple worlds in this, mm -hmm. in, you know, in this, in this metaverse uh, that can be functioning in a, in a multitude of different ways. You know, these different worlds are doing different things. And that's mm -hmm. exactly how Ready Player One is. Like there are just like, like, you know, you you are in this virtual world and there's all or you're in this virtual world. But it's basically a virtual universe because there's mm -hmm. several thousands of different worlds and they all function. They all have different functionalities or whatever. And mm -hmm. yeah, I just think that that is it, wild to me that we are moving in a direction and we are moving into this direction so aggressively that literally for sure, uh, Sony and Microsoft, you know, that was a lot of their big rationale for for purchasing uh mm -hmm. you know the activision and, and purchasing bungie is bungie has destiny which like you said is already uh it, it's kind of already started to lay that groundwork of having a metaverse that i know sony is looking to expand and then we and we talked about this before the call but activision literally announced a new game that they haven't done in a long time the mo like almost moments after microsoft purchase this game or purchase activision and to and, and it when you when you look it up it's just it just says you know it, it is it's an unnamed uh, game but it's going to have you know it, it, they want it to be multiversal and they want it to be developed by a whole bunch of different people and have a whole bunch of different things and it literally mm -hmm. just sounds like they are trying to set it up i mean obviously they'll still have you know call of duty's not going anywhere World of Warcraft is definitely not going anywhere. I mean, that game's been popular since I was in high school, middle school. I'm mm -hmm. almost 40. Uh, so it's not going anywhere. But clearly they are looking to expand this because, again, like the more you expand it, the more involved it is, the more you're paying for it, the more you're paying for skins, the more you're paying for subscriptions. The And, and that's what, you know, especially like in Microsoft's case, uh, Xbox, Xbox. When they sell these Xbox and Playstations, they're selling them at a they're selling them at a deficit financially, 
in hopes to make that money back through uh, initially it was be it was through buying games buying accessories and now it's almost exclusively from a business standpoint getting you getting that in your house so that you will then buy uh subscriptions and having these uh platforms that have these um cult classics especially mm-hmm. like a call of duty like a world of warcraft all that's going to do is get more people to want an xbox oh you mean i can now i can play x i can play world of warcraft on my xbox now and the way i was playing it on my pc before um mm-hmm. let me go ahead and buy this xbox honestly i would have been i would be much more interested in playing it now that i could play it on a gaming system than i'm just not a pc player but now that i know mm-hmm. i can play it on an xbox or something you know that's going to get me more interested in, in buying it so uh there's one other thing um and then I, and i'll hand it back over to frank uh but there's one other thing that i thought was interesting and i felt like we couldn't just brush over uh activision in recent months has also been in um a lot of heat because of some misconduct some sexual harassment issues uh, to the point that uh in this article i was reading in the last six seven months activision has had to fire nearly 40 employees and discipline another 40 on top of that uh Mm -hmm. to address these issues and Frank, you were telling me there was actually somebody particularly that I didn't even realize uh, that was getting some heat with Activision before this whole trade was even taken, or before trade, before this acquisition uh, by Microsoft was taking place. Yeah, the CEO was actually linked to a few uh, cases where he knew about harassment, he participated in some of the harassment, and they actually had to have him let go not step down not just obtain new authority they let him go um just before this uh purchase and a lot of times i know a lot of times you get rid of a lot of the upper hierarchy when something is purchased from a smaller company or a smaller company is purchased by a larger company but this was different because of the share drop because of perception even um it was it was just it's time to die and i i was even reading there were like even employees that worked for activision you know that obviously didn't get in trouble but they were looking to leave because to your point like their the perception of working now for activision is not great so they were looking to leave and uh i, I know that a big hope for them with this acquisition from microsoft is that now like they can say you know they they don't have to say I work for Activision I, they can say I work for Microsoft if they can mm-hmm. change you know they can start to change and rebuild that perception and more importantly keep those employees that were there helping this company be great because I even was reading that Call of Duty sales or Call of Duty uh uh memberships were were dipping um that the the number of people actually playing Call of Duty uh, we're starting to dip and literally just in the last like year or so since these accusations and stuff have come out. Um, so, so in, in conclusion, uh, for my part, um, my big takeaway from this, and then Frank, I would love to know like your big overall takeaway as far as what this means for you as a gamer, but for me as kind of a gamer, but from a business standpoint, the, the, the things that I thought was really interesting is you have this you have this guy who doesn't really want to sell his company but he's in hot water his numbers are starting to decline it's clear it, it's clear i mean call of duty has been popular for a long time it's clear that maybe it's starting to peak a little bit 
on mm-hmm. top of everything that's going on with uh, misconduct and sexual harassment. And then you've got Xbox looking to, you know, expand its roster as far as games and, you know, stuff that they already know that people are going to play. So for me, if this was a win-win for, for everybody in the Microsoft space, obviously the Take-Two space makes perfect sense. They're trying to, you know, they already have, you know, a big brand in Rockstar 2K, but now to be able to expand more to mobile. And then, like you said, if they start doing games or like they, they come out with a 2K um, or a mobile 2K or they come out with a, a, a GTA game on mobile would, would kill. So that, that makes perfect sense to me. And then obviously Sony buying Bungie makes a bunch of sense in the standpoint of if you are, and, for, and especially for Microsoft too, if that is your goal is to expand and create this metaverse that seems to be like the big wave of the future. Uh, and, and you already have a platform in Destiny that A, is already popular and B, is already um, is popular and it's already set up in a way that kind of a metaverse is built is is meant to be in the sense that you know we're just downloading new worlds, we're downloading new things rather than coming up with a new game every twenty five seconds. It, it just seems like a it 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 seems like a win win, uh, and it seems very exciting. I you, it, I'm not a big gamer, but the thing I always love about games is you know five years from now it's going to look completely different than it does right mm-hmm. now. Ten years from now it's going to look drastically different than it does right now, and this kind of stuff makes me excited to see. Uh, where we go, and honestly, it makes me wonder how close we are to live in a world in a world that is similar to uh, Ready Player One in the sense of like full blown virtual reality metaverse. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. It'll it's going to be interesting to see where we go from into the future, just because of like you said, uh, the way uh, augmented reality is coming, the way they use. Oculus, for example, that's a great example Perfect of example. playing these new games that were on previous consoles are now being developed for VR. Um, uh, Resident Evil 4, which came out maybe 20 years ago, is still being remade. Now it's being made into a virtual reality system. Which I mean, I don't know about pause you. real quick. That seems so scary. Right. I don't know about you, but when I see a man with a mask and chainsaws surrounded by zombies, I, even I'm a freak out. Hell no. But the last, and I'll, we'll move on to the next session after this, um, but the most important thing I want to talk about is the exclusivity of these ac- uh, 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 purchases. Acquisitions, yeah. Um, yeah, so for example, if you want to play Call of Duty for free, you're going to have to have Xbox Game Pass. Um, it's no longer restricted. You can't, most likely most Xbox will only have you get the free game for, you know, two or three months through Xbox Game Pass. Whereas PlayStation, whatever, their free game, and I think they're starting to develop it. I don't think it's developed yet. Um, but right now they are toying with the idea of giving gamers uh, access to these games for two, three months at a time, absolutely free, as long as you're a member of their service. Mm-hmm. So that it's going to be interesting to see where we go from here. It's very interesting. Very interesting, very exciting. Uh, and actually, we'll say right here on this topic because Nintendo, was that in January or was that in February? The this all was in Nintendo, the, the Nintendo Direct thing. That was just the week ago. 
That was a week a ago. couple okay. of days ago. Okay, okay. Uh, but Nintendo uh, also had, well, they didn't also. Uh, they were the first to do so this year. Uh, but did, we've, Frank was trying to figure out what, what they call this. Uh, but like their big global live stream announcement where they announced their, you know, is it, do, do they, do they announce like new hardware here or they normally just announce new games? So the Nintendo Direct is their coming out party, depending on when they're having it. It's mm-hmm. their E3 presentation, but it's sprinkled throughout the year. Uh, so this one was focused focused on the first half of this year so they made a lot of announcements going all the way up into september uh, when fall starts mm-hmm. um along those lines as well uh, just dipping back our toe back into the previous subject uh, i wanted to explain that as big and as powerful as microsoft and as sony are i do want to point out that nintendo's gonna nintendo and made no such per- per- purchases at all they just said, okay, good job for you guys. But And actually, um, I wanted to ask you, to your point about that, do you think that that is something that Nintendo needed to be doing, was focusing on finding another purchase? Or do you feel like, like in my opinion, like Nintendo's going to Nintendo because Nintendo is Nintendo. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they know what they are. They're fine with it. They're set in that way. So do you feel like that they needed to get uh, to be looking at purchasing or making an acquisition for some other company or no? That goes directly into the direct. (laughs) Um, Because they have those exclusive games and those exclusive characters. You're not going to see Mario on PlayStation. You're not going to be seeing Link on Xbox. You you just won't. Um, And that's simply because they're almost said Marvel. (laughs) It's because they are owned by Nintendo period. Nintendo's not going to let any other characters go to another game system. Uh, Heck, it's to the point now where developers are saying, hey, uh, we have this really cool created character. Um, Can we put them in one of your games? Uh, That way we can kind of show our creativity. Nintendo actually has been uh, saving games franchises. Um, There's a series called Bayonetta, which was a first and Xbox exclusive. Uh, Xbox said, okay, well, that didn't do as well as we thought it'd be. Xbox let it go. And then Nintendo brought bought it up and then made Bayonetta 2. Now they're making Bayonetta 3. And both games were very successful. And considering they're M-rated games on a what's called a kid system, that's huge. And believe yeah. it or not, this game wasn't even mentioned at the Direct. So that leads to the next question I have for you. What was included at Nintendo Direct, Frank? Well, the big, the two biggest take, three, four, ten biggest takeaways that I have. The 25 were, biggest takeaways from <laughs> Nintendo Direct. What? 52. Well, okay, I'm being, I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. Um, we'll get into that in a second. Um, but the biggest takeaways were they were announcing games that weren't even on people's radar. Um, rumors and games that people have been wanting for years and re-releases that have been happening, that have been wanted for decades now, are being done on the Switch. Um, the biggest one I can think of is the uh, uh, Wii Sports. Wii Sports was huge with the Nintendo Wii. It actually is the reason a lot of people bought Nintendo Wii. Um, 
Nintendo the whole reason I bought a Nintendo Wii. Mm-hmm. And Nintendo is actually bringing it back to to the Wii or to the Switch. That's huge because it's going to have the same motion controls that the Switch has. It's going to have upgraded that uh, graphics and more games. Nintendo has already said that they're going to they're going to have additional games aside the initial games that came out with Wii Sports or with now what's going to be called Switch Ports. Switch Sports, easy for me to say. Um, <laughs> And that's gigantic. They're going to introduce the original golf game, but then they're going to add additional golf courses. And I think that's amazing. Uh, talking about that persistent uh, game, uh, the reason you want to have a persistent game is so you don't have somebody buy your game, trade it at Xbox or GameStop and get another game. If you're getting a persistent game that has constant da- the downloadable content, you're not going to want to get rid of your game because other stuff is coming. Um, another case in point is Mario Kart. Mario Kart has been out uh, since the inception of the Nintendo Switch, which is back in 2017. So it's been around for a while. And Nintendo is always saying that we're still in its middle of the life cycle. And you can see that. But back to what I was talking about, about uh, Mario Kart. My car, Mario Kart was a port from the Nintendo Wii. So it, it was older than even that uh, an initiation or iteration, sorry. Um, so you're essentially dealing with a 20-year-old 20, 20 game. And Nintendo is constantly updating it with now what's going to be 48 additional courses that are going to be coming out within the next um, How year many? to year and a half. Four How many? 48 Four. courses. Mm, mm, wow. All it lot. takes is 24, and all it takes is 24.99 to have all of them. And that's it's either a really good deal because you're a big Mario Kart fan, or it's a little bit of a stretch. Me being a Mario Kart fan, I'm gonna have to deal with that money. Well, <laughs> I, honestly, like 48, how many is in? I'll look it up here in a second. But Twenty four ninety, and that's a flat fee. Twenty four ninety nine is a flat fee. You're not paying monthly for it. Like that's a yep. great deal because, to your point, when I buy a game for sixty dollars, to then turn around and buy another game for sixty dollars that's basically the same game that I just bought. It just has more stuff in it. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a that is a waste of money. That is a stretch. But to only pay twenty five dollars to get more courses to a game that, let's be honest, with the exception of, I mean, obviously there's been some small changes, obviously, but like mm-hmm. Mario Kart overall has not changed since its inception on the Super Nintendo. Like mm-hmm. it's still the same game. Like it, there's more characters, there's more weapons, things like that, but it's the same game. So to have to spend $60 every time they come out with a new game that's got new courses seems ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that that is a great, I think that's a great thing. Same thing with uh, Switch Sports. The, mm-hmm. I can't think of a person. In fact, I think I read an article about how Wii Sports is like one of the most pivotal games uh, in the history of games, only from the standpoint, like it literally changed how everybody was playing games. I had friends, I knew people who never played video games, hated video games, wanted nothing to do with video games ever, that was obsessed with Wii Sports, obsessed with that, I mean, I remember in college, we used to play that tennis game all the time. Um, I don't uh, get Wee real bowling. excited about it. We bowling, we bowling yes, got us, 
got us through an entire winter storm because we had bowling. We bowling was <laughs> it was like the best thing. Uh, and so, like you said, to your point, like to introduce this now on the Switch, and you made this point earlier, but like Nintendo is going to Nintendo, and so they don't buy these things, but they don't need to because they have these titles already. They have mm-hmm. these characters already. They have these games already that they know are going to be successful because they have been time and time and time and time again. And I feel like we Sports and now Switch Sports is going to be like kind of that next thing for them, for Nintendo, mm-hmm. because they had such, such success with it on the Wii, on, on the Wii system. Like, mm-hmm. and I always forget about the, what was it, the Wii Plus? What was, what was Wii that between? You. Wii U. Um, I always forget about that one. But, but doing the Wii, the Wii U. So obviously you would continue it on the Switch and, you know, whatever else you're going to have coming out because it's so, so successful. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm reading they also coming out with uh, a Mario Strikers mm-hmm. uh, Battle League, which I'm not really familiar with, but it sounds like a great game that you would play with some friends and family. I guess this Eight is not the players allowed on one system and it's essentially battle soccer with Mario characters. Uh, okay, okay. That sounds cool. <clears throat> yeah, I said there was a there was another one that came out, but I never played that one. Uh mm-hmm. Split Splatoon 3, uh mm-hmm. Kirby and the Forgotten Land, uh Fire Emblem Warriors, Three Hopes. That's where Roy is from, right? Yes. Is, uh, is that where yes. Roy from Super Smash Brothers is from? Yes, and um and Marth. Marth, uh-huh. And a few uh-huh. other characters. Um, um uh, and this one is actually a sequel to uh, Three Houses, which was pretty successful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this is, uh, this one is Three Hopes. Uh, then a Xenoblade, Chronicles 3, and Triangle Strategy, which is all of these games are uh, games that are already existed um, with Nintendo. And to Frank's point, like, Nintendo knows if it ain't broke, we not fixing it. Um, mm-hmm. So let's just keep going uh, with what works. And I mean, obviously, they have some new games coming out. They they announce a game called um, Portal and Portal Two, Chrono Cross, No Man's Sky, Live a Live. I, I don't know. Live a Life. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Klonoa, <laughs> Door to Phantom Isle, and Klonoa Two, Lunetia's Veil. Good lord. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like such a I feel like such a noob reading these. Um, so they have new games out there, but they know at the heart of it, what Nintendo would keep Nintendo fans coming back mm-hmm. over and over and over. And I think that's a cool thing about Nintendo that you don't really see with, I mean, yes, Xbox has Halo, um, PlayStation. When I think of PlayStation, I don't really think like, you know, these staples. I think, you know, they always got great graphics. They always have great games, but I don't really think of a, a game that's like, oh, I have to have a PlayStation for this game. But when I mm-hmm. think of Nintendo, like, I'm always going to own a Nintendo because it's the only place I'm going to be able to play Super Smash Brothers. The only place mm-hmm. I'm going to be able to play really any Mario game, like you said, any Zelda game, um, any Kirby game, uh, any Fire Emblem game. So, so it's, I think that's really cool. Um, and I am so pumped. To, I'll spend 30 I, they, they They play themselves. I'd pay $35 uh, to mm-hmm. get them 48 extra tracks on Mario Kart so that I can crush you. And I mean you, Frank, um, on mm. these new 48 courses. Mm. Um, <laughs> ignoring that very foolhardy uh, <laughs> statement. Super Smash Brothers, yes, maybe. Mario Kart, n- nothing but dust. Nothing but dust. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Thanos okay. couldn't create more dust. Um, okay. Yeah. But there are two other games I want to draw attention to. Uh, The first one is going to be No Man's Sky. Uh, It's a space simulator game. Uh, You have dog fights and trading and things like that. Um, But the biggest thing I'm excited about and want to draw your attention to is that No Man's Sky is a procedurally generated galaxy. Now, what I mean by that is if you see a star, you can fly to it. If they fly to that star, that star has its own system of planets. You can fly to each and every one of those planets, get out of your ship, build things, interact with other characters in a virtual world, so to speak. Uh, PC has had it. Uh, computers have had it for since 2016. And PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 have it now, as well as Xbox and Xbox One and Xbox 360. Um, So these are huge games, um, or it's a huge game coming to Nintendo's uh, console, because now you'll be able to play it on the go, um, at home, or near an internet connection where you can play online. Um, There is a single player game, but the meat and potatoes of it is a 32 player multiplayer game. Not only that, but you also have um, Fire, not Fire Emblem, uh, Xenoblade 3. Uh, it's, it's a sequel to the highly successful Xenoblade and even more successful Xenoblade 2. Uh, just for my research, I was trying to figure out how much these games would cost if I was to buy one today. Uh, Xenoblade 1, or sorry, Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, the first game retails at, uh, where'd it go? Oh, retails at $69.99, so 70 bucks for a game that initially started out as 50 bucks. Um, along the or sorry, $79.99 when it was first released at $69 or $59.99. So that's quite a jump. Um, however, uh, Xenoblade 2 has a bigger uh, jump. It actually was initially again $64 or $60, 60 bucks. Um, now it's so rare that you can only get it at, at uh, eBay, and of course eBay charges through the roof. Um, and it's ridiculous that that that's the case for a game that wasn't as successful as its predecessor. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Xenoblade Three. So what you're saying is, uh, what is it called? No Man, No Man's no Sky. Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that No Man's Sky is basically just another. Uh, metaverse game it's Nintendo's metaverse game in essence yeah exactly because um, so for example I can go to this galaxy galaxy A and I can find two planets Uh, we'll call planet one thing one we'll call planet two thing two just to name them something funny and I leave that galaxy just to travel to another star if somebody comes up behind me hours days weeks months after i've left they'll see my planets named thing one and thing two in that star system which i can also name yeah that's that that's great and to our point about this whole metaverse business it seems that's what everybody is going towards uh is creating this metaverse so yes uh, thank you very much for the information, Frank. Uh, I knew that you was going to be, I knew that you was going to love talking about uh, <laughs> Nintendo. And 
I'm very excited for you and all you Nintendo heads out there uh, for what's to come and for all of these, this video game news. Like I said, if you're a video game fan, it seems like this is a really exciting time because there's just there's so much stuff and it, it just seems like this is going to be so drastically different. And, mm-hmm. and, to, and that's that's what I've always enjoyed. Even though I'm not the biggest video game person, the one thing I've always enjoyed is like, they always keep it fresh. They always keep it interesting and they mm-hmm. are always trying to move forward. Okay, so here it goes. Here's our big hot button topic of the day. By the time this releases, Boba Fett will have been done for about a week now. So it's not going to be spoiler fight because if you ain't watched it by now, that's on you. So we will be discussing spoilers. So we just want you to know right this moment, there are going to be spoilers coming up. So if you haven't seen it, now's the time to run away. Now that it's just us, Star Wars. So, so the conclusion has ended. We now know. Well, actually, we know more about Grogu and Mandalorian than I expected to ever learn in this. Mm-hmm. But actually, I I really just wanted to hear first, first and foremost, Frank, like your overall thoughts, and be honest because the show was great to me. But really, the thing that I am. I have become bothered by in this whole regard with Boba Fett is everybody's discontent. Like everybody's had so many issues with Boba Fett and like his character and how the show, the the flow of the show and some Mm -hmm. of the things that happen at the end of the show. And I'm just curious, like your personal um, visceral uh, uncut reaction thoughts on what you thought of, the book of Boba Fett. Okay. Um, well, as a whole, I thought it was really good. Um, as a whole, it was pretty decent. Um, I almost said something on un- uncouth. Um, <laughs> that would have probably gotten us rated worse. Um, <laughs> but more to that point, I I liked it. Um, I didn't like how they characterized Boba Fett, but I understood. Um, you don't want to make him just a bloodthirsty bounty hunter like he was portrayed in uh, The Return of the Jedi. You just don't. It doesn't make sense. Um, I did like how they told the story of him and the Sand people, um, Sand Tribe or whatever they're called. The Tuscans. Uh-huh. Tuscans, thank you. And I thought that that was a very interesting way to take. It kind of established a, a, a way to say why he's not as ruthless as he used to be because he essentially learned honor with that instance with those with that training so to speak he learned that it's not necessarily all about the money so to speak because he was battling with these people to train them and they were in turn training him i thought that was an interesting take um i however didn't like the pacing of the show um it was very slow for the first two or three episodes. I mean, stuff happened and there were bite fights, but it was still slow. Um, it felt like there was a lot of character maneuvering, which of course you have to have characters in certain positions to be able to move the story forward. But it felt like there was too much, too much chess man playing when it should have just been playing checkers. Uh, man, Mandalorian kept things close to the vest but also uh 
out there so you could see it. Whereas Book of Boba Fett, let things come out, but in such a slow, such a slow fashion that it got to the point where, okay, now it's hitting it at episode seven. And there's only two more episodes left after that. So I liked it, but I had issues with the pacing. I personally, I didn't know what to expect. I thought that this season, I I thought after we saw the end of Mandalorian season two, two, thank you, that Book of Boba Fett was going to be like a complete, uh, what do they call them, spinoff of Mandalorian. Like, I didn't think it was going to say anything about Mandalorian. At first, everybody complains. And and I know, first of all, I just want to say, I know that I am complaining about people complaining, um, <laughs> <laughs> which in essence makes me part of the problem. And I'm okay with that. But at the very beginning, everybody was complaining about the fact that Boba Fett even survived uh, the mm-hmm. Sarlacc at the end of episode six uh, and how he survived. Uh, the, then they had an issue like you did with the fact that he is no longer the ruthless bounty hunter that he is. But to me, that was the part that I enjoyed the most about the show. Is like no, I didn't any- say I, no, I didn't say I didn't like it. I said I understood it, um, especially in the context of him learning the Tuscan Raiders way of life. Um, not to say I didn't like it. That's just to say it was there. It's just that the pacing around that drew was grinding. Just in the, you just mean like in the sense that it was just like the the build of it was slow. Is that what you mean? Yes, um, the build to. The big fight, which really wasn't a big fight of the Tuscan Raiders uh, reckoning, so to speak, when they got killed, was very anticlimactic. It was more talking than there should have been. Um, it was slow. It was it was slow and less action packed than I was would have expected that scene to be. Uh, Bo- Boba Fett negotiated a lot, which I did not like. And see, that part I I really liked. And I just like it from the sense of I'm a big fan in shows and really anything of character development. Mm -hmm. From a character to go from one way and have circumstances happen to them and through them circumstances evolve and change as a person, just like every single person in life does. Like we are we are a, a certain way one day. And then something happens to us in our life, whether it be really good or really bad. Mm-hmm. And we kind of roll with that and, you know, grow from it and become who we are going to be um, mm-hmm. through that experience. And I feel like that's what we saw with 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 Boba. He was a completely, you know, he's a ruthless bounty hunter until he almost dies in this Sarlacc pit and gets his stuff jacked <laughs> from the Jawas while he's, <laughs> he's over there dying. He get his stuff mm-hmm. jacked and he literally left to die. And only through the mercy and graciousness of this Tuscan group who up to this point we think are just these ruthless killers who care about Mm -hmm. nothing or nobody. Um, Only through them does he learn that life doesn't have to be the way it used to be, that it can be different and better if you have a tribe, if you have a family. Like that was very fast and furious of him, but realized... The value, <laughs> but realize the value of of having people around you that surround you and help you grow and build together. I mean, that's what he eventually. I mean, he did that with 
with Fennec Shan, and that's how they came together. And she also obviously realized this because she also used to be a cold blooded assassin. Which that are you last, talking about? What was uh, her name? Uh, Fennec Shan. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, she that scene at the end where she she offs like uh, the whole Pike Syndicate in that room uh, mm-hmm. was super dope. Like that's and that's what yeah. she is. But she also realized to she also kind of realized. And so I, I I I like that part of the character development. And honestly, I can see why people didn't love it because that's not the that's not the Boba Fett that we are used to. And honestly, like if we so we get introduced to Cat Bane episode six. Uh, yeah, who's did. also a bounty hunter. And I mean, I literally, like, I was so, I was, what's, what, what do the kids, kids say? I was such a stand for that. Um, mm-hmm. I freaked out uh, when I saw Cat Bane. He's one of my favorite characters in all, in the whole Star Wars galaxy. Um, and it would have been weird because Kane is cold-blooded. Like, he always cold-blooded. And it would have been weird to see him come in and show and, like, develop into all of a sudden now he's, like, a good person. So I can see like if your perception of somebody is one way and then they don't get end up perceived that that way. But I also understood that why they did what they did with Boba Fett, because that's how you keep a character like that going is you make him sympathizable. You make him somebody people can relate to and understand like, OK, he's going through his, you know, his his journey of growth. Um, mm-hmm. That is what. uh Makes him I, I, I thought it would have made him more relatable, more popular, but. It didn't seem uh, to have have gone down that way. Uh, Mm -hmm. Another thing that everybody complained about, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, uh, is, like I said, when I first started watching Mandalorian, I didn't, or start watching Boba Fett, I didn't think we was going to see Mandalorian at all, let alone Grogu. And Mm -hmm. not only did we see Mandalorian and Grogu, but they completely picked up the story. Uh, We got some questions that I wasn't expecting to have answered for for Mm -hmm. years. Um, as far as you know, where Grogu, what Grogu's decision was going to be, as far as whether he was mm-hmm. going to stick with um, the Mandalorian or they were, or he was going to be, you know, cut ties and become a Jedi. And I'm curious, like everybody was all complaining that you know we don't see him. I think episodes five and six, we barely see uh, any of Boba Fett at all. It's basically everybody kept saying it's basically Mandalorian. Uh, Mm 2.5 so i'm curious what your thought was and okay i'm curious your thoughts on that i'm curious your thoughts on uh the deep fake luke skywalker Mm -hmm. and i'm curious your thoughts on actually ahsoka being in it uh nobody seemed to trip about that everybody loves ahsoka everybody loves rosario Mm -hmm. dawson uh but Mm -hmm. the two things i saw a, a lot of complaints about were uh deep fake luke skywalker and uh Mandalorian 2.5 in essence what were your thoughts so I like the episode uh because you had to reestablish what uh what Din's Mandalorian's for uh, the Mandalorian's first name Uh, you had to figure out where Din was at um where he had gone with the Black Saber just simply because you needed context with why he was willing to come help Boba um the idea that he was essentially ostracized with with the relic of the black saber annoyed me that was dumb i'm sorry because here you go okay here we go so you mean to tell me that you take the most honorable weapon that he fought for twice the dark saber the the, culture 
the person who holds the dark saber is in essence the leader of the Mandalorians. Right. That's a very good point. Except he took his head off once. One time. And somebody saw his face. One time. So now you mean to tell me you're going to let the leader of the Mandalorians not be a Mandalorian anymore based off of that, that action. That makes no sense to me. Frank, at all. It makes perfect sense because of this oh, one phrase. Oh, please. Oh, here we go. It makes one here sense because of this, per- this one phrase, Frank. This is the way. No, this is the way. The way. They, he it's knew. Not the way. And oh. not, he knew because he didn't even have to tell her the, the armorer, he didn't have to tell her when she asked, like, have you ever taken your mask off? He could have been like, no. Because you weren't there. The only people who know is Fennec, uh, Sasha Banks. <laughs> you weren't there? Exactly. Sasha Banks knew. Uh, Fennec Shan knew. Uh, 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 Bo-Katan was there. And mm-hmm. that other Mandalorian, I don't remember who the other Mandalorian was. Um, and obviously, Sasha Banks isn't the name of the Mandalorian who was there with Bo-Katan. I just can't think of her name either. And it was played. she was played by Sasha Banks. Anyway, um, he could have straight up lied, been like, no. But he was honest because he was real and he understood like what it was going He understood the repercussions, but he believes, I mean, at the at the, the second, was it the second to last episode or maybe the last episode? I can't remember. When he, when, when Dan goes in there and tells Boba like, I'm with you to the end uh, because that's what we do. And Boba's like, you really, you really in your heart, like you really buy this stuff? And Mando was like, yeah, I do. Like, I truly, in my heart, like, this is my truth. And I feel like it's like any religion or whatever. Like, when you believe it in your heart fully, like, you are going to follow it to the letter of the law because that's, you know, you are passionate about your belief in that thing. So I understand why you would be frustrated <laughs> by the fact that uh, he took off his mask one time and gets and gets cut out. Um, but I'm sorry, Frank. It's this it's is not the, the fact. It's not the fact that he got cut out. I understand that. Uh, it's essentially Mandalorian's way of ex, 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 kicking somebody out, like Christians do. I can't think. Ostracizing of them. Thank you. I was trying to say the right word, but I couldn't. Say you was there. It. I was going to say you were you were on the right track. Um, and so from that point, I understand, but. What I don't understand is why he got to keep the saber if he's no longer a Mandalorian. And you can say he won it in battle, and then he fought the guy, and he still won it. I'm sorry, but if you're no longer a Mandalorian, you should no longer have the sword. Because as she said, anyone who's not a Mandalorian, when they've held the sword, nothing but trouble has fallen them. So why are you going to let him have it? Well, okay, and I, to your point too, like Bo Katan, she is a Mandalorian, and she be habitually taking her mat, her helmet off. Like when we mm-hmm. saw her in season two of Mandalorian, like she kept taking her helmet off. But her goal, and she even said different Mandalorian, different, uh, uh, different sex do different things. S e c t s. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um. So I, 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 that's an excellent. That's an excellent point, and. Maybe we can, I'll do some research and figure that out. Like, does it matter, you know, if you have the, if you have the dark cyber, uh, even though you have taken your mask off and technically can't be a Mandalorian, if you still have the dark cyber, are you the leader? Or is it just by having the sword and winning it in the manner in which you do? Because 
uh, uh, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. Well, the the guy who had Moff Gideon, uh, who had mm-hmm. the dark saber at the beginning, he wasn't a Mandalorian. Um, mm-hmm. So if it's by just by defeating whoever had it before, you get to hold it, or you have to be a Mandalorian and then get to hold it. That's an excellent question. Uh, that's an excellent point, Frank. That I honestly uh, hadn't thought about. Okay, what are your thoughts on the deep uh, Luke Skywalker's deep fake? Because I personally, I, I loved it. I almost cursed just now because I can't stand <laughs> deep fakes, Luke Skywalker. He's such a biggity biggity bad word. Um, don't say it. Don't correct me. We're trying That's to keep good. it PG here. That was good. He, he's he's such one because don't don't get me wrong. I loved the the way that they aged his face down but it still looked creepy as all get out they should just bite the bullet and have sebastian stan be luke skywalker because the resemblance between him and young mark mahamel in that get up ridiculously accurate uh for those of you who don't know who sebastian stan is he was the winter soldier in captain america um civil war and a few other of those marvel movies um, He's uh Tommy Lee in that uh yeah. Pamela Anderson Tommy Lee mm-hmm. uh sex scandal uh movie they made on Hulu. Yes, and which is really good. good. I know it's completely yeah. unrelated, but it's actually pretty good. Yes, it's very good. I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not just for the unsavory parts. Okay. <laughs> so but ignoring the fact that the deep fake Luke was shoddy, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um the biggest problem I had with that episode wasn't Luke. Well, let me rephrase. It wasn't Luke's appearance. It was Luke's thought process of um, teaching Grogu. Uh, I hated that uh, just simply because they took too much time in developing that conversation between him and Grogu's training. And then to make matters worse, he gave Grogu a choice, yeah, but he dealt in absolutes. He he dealt in such a way that only the Sith do uh, in one way or the other, and I thought that was crap. I actually completely and utterly agree. I understood from a standpoint of the storyline, like it's an excellent cliffhanger. Uh, it kind of solidifies what they are planning to do with Grogu moving forward, and mm-hmm. frankly... I think that there's going to come a point where Grogu will still be trained by Luke. I think that this was, I'm hoping anyway, my hope is because I agree with you when I saw it, I'm like, okay, well you literally doing exactly what you were trained not to do and you're doing it to somebody else. Um, my thought process is this is part of Luke's growth. First of all, the deep fake doesn't bother me. It only bothers me in the standpoint of, why don't you just recast Luke and put in mm-hmm. somebody else? Uh, I don't understand Dub why. Him if a, you have to. I don't Dub understand why it's such to. a big deal uh, mm-hmm. to, to to just hire Sebastian Stan or even somebody just look like Luke, but not that. But the, that isn't Mark Hamill. Like we understand that Star Wars was made in the seventies, and Mark Hamill is now fifty years older than he was when he made Star Wars. So obviously, he mm-hmm. can't still make Star Wars as young Luke. I do like the fact that they put young Luke in here because this is the first time that in, that we had gotten to see uh, why well, I suppose Mandalorian season two is the first time that we got to see 
Luke Skywalker as a full-blown Jedi since Mm -hmm. episode six, Mm -hmm. since Return of the Jedi. We never really get to see him be a full-blown Jedi other than what we've gotten to see in uh, Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. So I I enjoy the fact that he's in there. I just wish that you you would change it up. I I didn't have it too much. Like I said, I didn't have too much of a problem with the with the standpoint of him choosing sides. Yes, that is very much a said thing. But again, I'm I'm hoping that just has something to do with his growth as uh, a Jedi and as a teacher. I think the the only thing that I would say that I didn't love about it is I was really hoping that Mandalorian was going to start phasing out seven, eight, nine. Uh, because seven was great, but eight, nine, I don't know. I just didn't love it. What do you and mean? It's like, like, I was hoping that Mandalorian was going to make seven, eight, nine, nine canon. Like, I was hoping they were just going to basically make that just like uh, some off thing. And we were just going to like somehow, somewhere down the road, like completely recreate seven, eight, nine. But I was What's, actually, re- go ahead. What is the seven you keep mentioning? Episode I'm sorry. Epi- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. I apologize, Frank. I apologize, Airbuds. Episode seven, uh, The Force Awakens. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on eight. I think nine was The Rise of Skywalker. I can't remember mm-hmm. what number eight was. But yes, episode seven, the newest trilogy. I was hoping because episode or because Mandalorian takes place after six before seven. So I was right. hoping that they were going to make episode. This was going to make episode seven, nine canon. But I was reading an article in which everything that they do everything they do in Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, and everything they do moving forward will make sure to have to make sure that seven, eight, and nine stay canon. So everything that happens and makes sense exactly that will make sense so that seven, eight, and nine episode seven, eight, and nine will still be canon. Which honestly, if that means that eventually we get more about the rise of Kylo Ren and we get more mm. on uh, the Knights of Ren. Um, I'm down with that. Uh, but I was, I don't know. I just didn't love everything about seven, eight, and nine. And so I was hoping they were going to make this not canon. But other than that, uh, I did love it. There is one other thing about Boba Fett uh, before we before we wrap this up that I wanted to ask about. Uh, did you notice the did you have you seen this controversy about the 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 motorcycle spin or the the bicycle <laughs> spin uh, in <laughs> episode seven? Because I'm yeah. telling you, of all the things in Boba Fett, I haven't seen, like, Star Wars, Star Wars, I, I made a comment on Facebook and everybody got upset with me. The Star Wars fans love to complain. But I have not seen Star Wars complain, complain about anything the way they complained about this, uh, about this motorcycle flip. I don't honestly know how to explain it. Uh, you, I, If you haven't watched it, it's in episode seven. It involves the, the people, it, it involves the bikers who they have those uh, I I kept calling them Power Ranger bikes because the exactly, exactly what they what, what they call the mods the mods yes um because it, it's kind of hard to explain out it's hard for me rather um to explain what happened why everybody was so upset about it but I just wanted to give you personally I didn't even recognize it I even went back and watched it I'm like oh, if y'all have never pointed out I would have never never even noticed it. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to give you, Frank, um, since it's our podcast, we get to talk about what we want to talk about. I wanted to give you the floor if you had any comments, thoughts, um, if you even know, did you even notice it? Did you care? Was it something that even bothered you? I didn't even notice it until somebody 
like and even then i was like okay jedi show off all the time exactly did you did, did you see the first three episodes of the of the old trilogy or uh of the old new trilogy with the old old trilogy the old new trilogy yeah Yeah, Uh there was all sorts of that's all they do that's literally all they do and i mean all he does because literally all he does is he comes off the bike and he's about to shoot but before he shoots he does like this big dramatic spin like this completely unnecessary uh spin and i like like you said i mean i've seen so many mcu movies now like that's all these people do is just unnecessary. Like in Black Widow, literally her sister keeps making fun of Natasha because she's always posing uh, mm-hmm. when she lands somewhere. I mean, that's what they all do. Like they always doing these big questions. So it didn't bother me at all. Um, overall, I love Boba Fett. Uh, I, did I like it as much as Mandalorian season two? No, uh, but I doubt that I'm gonna like anything as much as I like Mandalorian season two. But it's really mm-hmm. good. I really love the the growth. I love that they focus so much on the Tuscans, and you know, we really got to see, you know. Uh, the the we hadn't really gotten to see a lot about you know Tuscan life and all of that and that so that was really cool to see and I loved it and I can't wait to see uh, what we have from Star Wars moving forward and if you complained about this Star Wars fans just remember up until three four years ago we was only getting cartoons now we mm-hmm. get like actual live action canon stuff let's not complain we got bank we got Cat Bane uh we we got from said uh, cartoons yes we got cat bane they've introduced bo katan they've introduced ahsoka they've gotten really they they at least brought up uh 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 grand admiral thrawn in 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 the last minute alone so you know we're going to see him at some point uh Mm -hmm. they've done such a really good job of introducing like these real like deep star wars characters uh in the show so i think it's great and don't complain so much star wars fans and i'll try not to complain so much about you complaining Hey, Lance. Yes, sir. Did you notice that the hut that they were building, um, Luke, that Luke was building, it's the exact same hut that you see um, old, old, our old boy Ben flip out and kill everyone in? Same yes. hut. That's actually where he's sleeping when Luke says, I can't let you live. That's literally what he says. And in I fact, it's so funny. That. It's so funny that you said that because I told you I wanted them to get rid of episode seven, eight, nine being uh, canon. And when I saw that, I was like, man, it looks really familiar. So I went and looked it up. And that is what led me to the article in which uh, uh, um, John Favreau and what's his name, Dave Filoni, were saying, like, we are trying to make seven, eight, and nine canon. And so that's, and so they added that scene with the temple uh, so that, because technically in seven, Luke tells us that um, Kylo or that Ben is his first student, but then mm-hmm. in, in but then in Boba Fett, you know, he's saying if you come to me, Grogu, and train here, you will be my first student. So really, that mm-hmm. kind of gave you the answer. I was kind of hoping that he stayed and became a Jedi, which would have basically <laughs> made Seven completely like worthless. So, but I mean, based off of that, like you knew that Grogu was going to go back to the Mandalorian because mm-hmm. then he would have been because then Ben would have been his second. Stu, not as far. Um, yeah, yes, great, great, great notice. Great point, Frank. Great, uh, great callback. And thank you. I'm, I'm due every once in a while. Yeah, that was a good one. Okay, so we were trying to be really short on this podcast, and uh, we ended up being a little longer. And so I'm going to cut this very last. I'm gonna cut this last part, uh, pretty short. But I kind of just wanted to give a little quick hot take on my Indiana Pacers. For those of you who listening, 
And we hope that eventually this becomes more of a worldwide or a nationwide thing. But we know a lot of you listening are pretty regionalized to the um, Midwest area where we are currently located. And Frank and I are from Indianapolis, and I'm a huge Indiana Pacers fan. And recently, the trade, day, the trade, the trade deadline for the 21-22 season just ended. And the Pacers made some big trades, getting rid of uh, Donis Abonis uh, and some other pieces for uh, a, a couple younger guys who are really good and who are going to be great. But my problem mm-hmm. with being a Pacers fan, and, and, I'll, and I'll keep this very brief, we traded a, a big, we traded a, a piece for some new pieces in order to rebuild. We, since 2000, since the Malice in the Palace in 2002, 2003, um, we, have, we have rebuilt now. Yes, you're right. We have rebuilt now. This will be our fifth reboot that we've gone through. Our first reboot. Mm. Our first reboot had Jermaine O'Neal in it after uh, after Reggie Miller retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jermaine O'Neal starts to get hurt. We trade him off. Uh, we get mm-hmm. Danny. We get Danny Granger. Danny Granger has knee issues, uh, but we draft Paul George. We think we're about to start building around him, but Danny Granger starts to get hurt. We trade him off. Paul George really starts to get us back to where almost to a semblance of where we were with Reggie Miller. Then he has that, he snaps his tabula and fibula in the Team USA game. We miss him for a year. He comes back, takes us back to the playoffs, but basically he's already telling us then he wants to go. So then we trade him for Sabonis and Victor Oladipo, who looks like he's going to take us back to prominence again before mm-hmm. he gets hurt and then also decides that he doesn't want to be in Indiana. Indiana's big problem is Indiana doesn't want to pay their players. And it gets very frustrating because then they want to leave. And it just stinks as a Pacers fan. Like, the Pacers have won an ABA championship, but they've never actually won an NBA championship. And I'm truly starting to wonder if that is something that Pacers ownership truly cares about. Because it doesn't – we're always good, but never good enough. And all I want, all we want as Pacers fans is just one time in life, like we got to see with the Colts, just one time, see us get to promise. I mean, we've, we've seen, we've, we've gotten to the finals. Uh, we got to the finals in 2000 when we lost to Kobe and Shaq in six. We want to just one time in our life, you know, actually say, get to say to, to the world that we are world champions. And it doesn't feel like that we are ever, ever going to make a move, whether that be picking up a big name in free agency, whether that be actually paying a superstar that we have here, like we, should have paid Paul George. I don't think we should have paid Victor Oladipo. Um, but we've had the opportunity to pay these stars to stay and then get more stars, and then we never do it. And I think a lot of times the Pacers feel like they draft so well that they can just pick up young guys and do well or draft in a free agency. Mm-hmm. And it just ends up – It just like I said, it, we just always end up in the same boat. We will eventually – we're under 500 right now, but we'll eventually probably get back to above, like right around 500. Um, will we make the playoffs? Probably not. But eventually we'll get good enough to be back in the playoffs. But like, will we be good enough to beat um, uh, to beat a Milwaukee with Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is just dominating the NBA? Are we mm-hmm. good enough to beat a 
uh, Brooklyn Nets team that has Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and now uh, a rejuvenated Ben Simmons? Are we good enough to beat a Philadelphia that has probably this year's MVP in uh, Joel Embiid and now James Harden? Are we good enough to beat a Milwaukee team that continues to dominate us, even though really their best superstar to me is an overrated Jimmy Butler? No, mm-hmm. we're not. Will we ever be? I don't know. And it's that's that in itself, uh, not the trades, not, you know, it's like it, the trade made sense this year, even though Sabonis, so, Sabonis was fantastic for us. And is, he would be sad to be, he's going to be sorely missed. Um, but the trade made sense, but like, it only makes sense in the standpoint of we're just going to keep doing the same thing that we have done over and over and over now for the last almost 20 years. And that is very, 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 very frustrating. Do you have anything that you want to say to that, Frank, or is what I said good enough for you? I mean, the only question I have now is what are we going to see out of Miles? Um, Great the question. Little bit on- the little bit I know about his situation is that he's a great performer, but he really has to have a solid team around him. And right now he really doesn't. Maybe this rebuild will help. Maybe. And we've seen one game with the new guys and they look good, even though we lost, uh, they look good. So maybe it'll be good. And honestly, I'm thankful. I thought we was going to get rid of Turner too, to be honest. I thought mm-hmm. for sure Miles was going to be gone. So yeah, so can we so can we can we still compete and be good in the next couple of years? Of course, I think so. But again, like are we going to be good enough to to defeat these teams that are, are clearly better than us? Like were we good enough to be a Heat team that had LeBron, Chris Bosch, D. Wade on it? Uh, were we mm-hmm. good enough to beat uh Kobe and Shaq in the finals? Were we good enough to beat Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Tony Kukos and those guys uh with, with Reggie? Like it just seems like we're just doomed to repeat the same mistakes that we've made over and 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 over. And over, and over. Um, so on that note, thank you guys so much for listening to <laughs> on that cheery note, <laughs> on that very cheery note. Um, what's, what really, what really truly sucks is for us as Pacers fans, or really, even if you're a fan of anybody out there who is a fan of a team that has struggled over the years, Though I'm, I live in Columbus and I live pretty close to Cincinnati and I would have said the Bengals, but now even the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. So or the Browns would be a great example. Um, but if you are a fan of a team that has habitually not done very well, like it just stinks because every time these things happen, you're like, okay, we've seen this happen before. Um, but that's what being a fanatic a fan is. It's being a fanatic of things that we ultimately have no control over. Um, so anyway. I am Lance Howard. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. Um, you can find us on Facebook uh, at Pros and Conversations. You can find us on Twitter at Conversion Pros. Uh, we still aren't up and running on IG yet, but we will be up and running soon. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to us. Please feel free to give us any feedback that you have, um, your thoughts on the Pacers or any NBA trades that happen. Uh, what you thought about Boba Fett and that guy making that unnecessary spin at the end. Uh, Your thoughts on the new uh, video game acquisitions, uh, Nintendo announcements, anything at all that you want to talk to us about. We love to hear from you. We love to interact with you. Thank you so much for the love and support, and we will talk to you soon. See ya! Who you with?